Hey, everybody. Greg Batty and Sill from Annex Wealth Management with your weekly SWAT podcast. I am joined by two members of our investment committee, Trevor Nargis, research analyst, the other, Todd Voigt, PhD in economics. These two gentlemen are members of our investment committee here at Annex Wealth Management. What we do each week is we talk through the week to come, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the markets and the financial world. Let's get into it. Right away, I know, Trevor, you've got strengths for this week. Uh, what do you see as the strengths for the week upcoming? Yeah, so somewhat counterintuitive, but I think our strengths are kind of combined with some of the weaknesses that we've actually seen to start off the year. So, for example, the sell-off that we've seen this year has been both broad and organized across the board. So what I mean by that is that the price movement underneath the surface of the market has played out somewhat as expected in the face of slowing growth, rising interest rates, potential economic weakness going forward. We've seen the less profitable, higher valuation names that have really been hit the hardest this year and have sold off, which it's more expected when you start to see interest rates rising, potential growth slowing. Many asset classes are moving a lot closer to their long-term moving averages from a valuation standpoint, which is healthy long-term. Obviously, it's never fun seeing the value of anything go down in your portfolio, but it makes it really attractive when it comes time to put some money to work here going forward. So I'm going to interrupt you real quick, just to make sure I hear it. The non-investment committee member here, you said the strength for the week is that some of the stronger stocks or equities are lower valuations. Is that what I'm, am I crystallizing correctly? Yeah. So that actually kind of gets into what I wanted to touch on a little bit later is that we've seen strategies like relative value play out well. So some of these lower valuation names, some of your stodgy companies, some of your more traditional ones, um, they've held up really well. Their valuations are more in line, consistent revenue streams, strong free cash flow yields, things like that. Those companies have held up really well because their growth isn't forecasted as far out in the future. So I think that the health of those companies has been a relative strength of the market this year. And you've seen that in companies in the energy space, in the staples space, things of that nature. Todd, do you have anything to add there? Well, I think the strength, too, is actually in the potential rebound in the markets as well going forward. It may not be this week, but if you want to be a contrarian with the downbeat consensus and consumer sentiment, investor sentiment, that usually starts telling you you're getting close to a bottom. Strength in the market internally to turn things around. Yeah, and I think just kind of one thing to add to is so over the past 15 years, there's really been like four key episodes where we've seen sell-offs that somewhat mirror what we've seen this year, right? So 07, 08, we got the financial crisis there. 2011, 2012, the European sovereign debt crisis. We got a volatility shock in 2018. And then obviously the most recent one being COVID in 2020. Now, the sell-offs in these periods were more disorganized, I want to say, across the board. And the uncertainty there was around more existential issues. How strong is the global financial system, right? Is there going to be wide-scale economic halts across the board? Whereas what we're seeing now, the conversation revolves more around risk premiums and growth rates going forward. And hey, do these elevated valuations make sense? I think it's healthy that the market is kind of discounting and bringing things back down to earth. Again, novice headline reader here. I think that there are are folks out there who are ringing some alarm bells and saying, this is it. This is the the granddaddy right. of them all, the, the big one. You're old enough to know Sanford and Son. Elizabeth, it's time. But I will tell you, right now, it sounds like here's two polished guys who have done some research who are saying, no, this looks like something that there may be a bottom to and then a rebound from. Is that what I'm hearing or am I being too optimistic in what I'm hearing? Yeah, potentially. And I mean, there are weaknesses too. So I think we can kind of start to pivot here and, and touch on some of that. So Todd, I think I'll... Trevor, how'd you know? Right? <laughs> exactly at five minutes and we pivoted on. This is really fun. Go ahead on the weakness side. We'll see if we can keep the talk up going. 
Well, the weakness is really centered on the deteriorating economic numbers. It may not be seen right now, but the talk of the Fed tightening really leads to much more tighter financial conditions. So because we have rate hikes on the horizon, another 50 basis points in June, and, and maybe an additional couple, you also have the balance sheet runoff. And as we head into the final weeks of May and into June, you might start seeing the weakness start showing up in the data. That might cause the Fed to think about pausing. If they do then state pause, that'll lead into opportunities in the market, but I don't want to go there yet. But the, So the weakness centered mainly on the economic data. Some will say that the economy is still fundamentally strong, but that's in the present tense. Market's looking ahead, so I, I think that's probably potential weakness. Real weakness, too, would be in the ever stronger dollar getting weaker stronger dollar getting weaker because it's at an extreme sort of level and we hear about the euro and the dollar approaching parity because the dollar is so strong against the yen and in the euro and that and it's important because the euro is about half the foreign exchange basket if you will mm-hmm. you know, dxy they refer to it as and then the yen is probably another 20 percent so the potential future weakness of the dollar can also act to keep inflationary pressures high because the u.s consumer has a high propensity to consume imports. They're mm-hmm. going to consume more expensive imports on top of the inflation we already have. So that puts a damper on things and could spell weaker growth and some support under inflation not coming down as, as some would suspect. By so if, if I'm hearing you right again, and I'll try to crystallize it, is weakness might be looking ahead as opposed to where we are today. Right. And Trevor's nodding. That doesn't play well for the podcast, but he, he's nodding. So... <laughs> Looking ahead, are those the things that impact the future, or are, are those the things that are less relevant to the future? Are those the present? Where where, where do those things uh, happen? Well, I'm, I'm a better way to maybe position that is supply chain issues are, and, and it's a bad word now, transitory. They do resolve themselves. It takes time. It might be two years, but we're well into that. That would be, in, a, in my thinking, based on what you just said, in a present tense. And then the market's looking ahead, and and that would be an opportunity, the resolution of the supply chain issues, either by built-out capacity or less demand. Right now, in this first quarter into the second quarter, companies' earnings calls are, we have high demand and we don't have capacity. Otherwise, their sales would be much higher. Well, their sales are still higher because inflation is higher and the prices are higher. So weakness looking ahead. That's what I'm seeing. Right. More, more or less. I mean, markets are forward looking and they don't like uncertainty is what it comes down to. So on these earning calls that we've been listening to, when you hear management being really uncertain about, hey, you know, we don't really know how long it's going to take these supply chain issues to, to subside, things like that. Investors aren't really too excited about that because they like being in the know, right? Yeah. They like knowing, okay, this is what's going to happen. Here's what they see going forward. When the guidance really isn't there or it's lacking, that's what's going to cause this uncertainty. I just would add underneath the surface, and Trevor mentioned the earnings calls, when companies are reporting increased sales, the average person might think that's great while their sales are going up. And it's really the result of higher inflation, higher prices. To really get a handle on it, look at volume. And, and a lot of times you're seeing volume weaker 
because the economy is decelerating. And that's a red flag, but you wouldn't catch it because you're looking at sales growth is up 20% this year or up 10%. And, and you know, a good part of that is from higher prices. But what about the volume? And volume's down 2% or 3%. That's not typically a good sign. That's a good thought. We'll close out weaknesses there. Take a look at opportunities. I'm looking back at you, Trevor. Uh, what did you think are opportunities for the upcoming week? You know, we kind of touched on it with some of both the strengths and the weaknesses that we just previously talked about. So I think, as I talked about earlier, with the current sell-off being a little healthier in nature than items that we've seen in the past, I think with that being the case, it presents opportunities in both the relative value space. And what I mean by relative value in general are going to be names that look cheaper compared to similar other areas, names, so on and so forth in that space. And like you brought up earlier, so some of those names that are trading at lower multiples, things of that nature. So you have the relative value space. You have key area that's kind of coming to that light right now is uh, the technology space, right? We've seen tech names that have been beaten down really hard, but you still have a lot of these mega cap tech names that do have very consistent revenue streams, even though they are classified as very cyclical, growthier names in general, still very strong revenue streams, things of that nature. Another area, I guess, in the fixed income side of things would be investment grade fixed income. You know, in the past, we've seen really low yields, really low interest rates. But as we start to creep up here and we have higher interest rates and real yields do move higher, it does present an opportunity in the, in the investment grade fixed income space. Another reason that I say that is that kind of credit conditions in general. I know, Todd, we've talked about the financial conditions index and whatnot, but things still look really solid in that investment grade space. And so we do think that there are some opportunities there. And I mean, we've, we've seen that kind of play out for the start of the year. Again, as the, the novice guy, I'll throw this out there. I'd heard the fixed income area is somewhere that has been in rocky place. Oh, for yeah, sure. It's definitely been the worst start to fixed income in a lot of years. And there's a lot of reasons for it. I, I could talk about it for two hours. but Don't, um, don't do that. No, I won't. <laughs> okay. But to the, um, that's part of the big reason is yields have been so low. The opportunity there would be to be able to pivot over to more fixed income because it's not paying zero anymore. It's paying, if, if you're getting 3% out of a 10-year treasury, you're getting five out of investment grade. So to Trevor's point, you can start moving money, not to bonds because they act as a ballast against stocks, but because they actually pay you something now. There actually is some opportunity for income there. You know, there's been the conversation over the past few years has been, you know, there is no alternative. And that's been related to stocks because you haven't been able to get anything in fixed income, really. You know, you've had to move down the credit scale in order to capture some yield. But then there's there's more risk when you're working with lower credit quality companies. If I'm hearing it right, is there's an opportunity in different strategies now. It sounded like through the last, I don't know, period of time, a certain sort of strategy was prevalent. And now we see some different opportunities and different outlooks looking ahead. I mean, I guess if you wanted to rely on a different basket, this would be that moment, right? Right. And, you know, you'll see it in, at sort of the micro level of, of individual companies or individual sectors, as Trevor mentioned, that fixed income is one area, small banks. You got banks, technology, you know, some of these valuations have been pulled down so much. Retail has been just decimated. So what you do is for an opportunity there is wait for the downgrades and the brokerage firms will come out with these downgrades as they do after the fact. And then you wait for the selling to settle down and then you go in and pick these up on the cheap. All right. Well, I think that puts us in a good place for opportunities. One last then for the end of SWAT is the T. 
threats. The threat to recent announcement over the weekend, Biden had said that they explicitly said that the U.S. would back Taiwan in the event of an invasion by China. So for many years we talked about that is a threat that would be somewhere in the next four years, for example, I said a year ago on the radio. But that has become less of a threat. But now you throw that comment out there, and now this week you wait for the backlash from China and their rebut to that type of comment. I'd heard or read that, so, that Taiwan has, that doesn't make the most chips, but it makes the mo- most, most sophisticated advanced, yeah. they, chips. They account for over 50% of the advanced semiconductors, of which China, mainland China, you know, the thought is they're 10 years behind in the semiconductor uh, fabrication. They could catch up real fast if they, in, they were to invade Taiwan. And they've made that claim for many years. I don't want to go back down memory lane here, but that to this, speaking to this week, and the threat would be, let's see what they come back with that might be something that rattles the markets. Is that something that you all do in terms of research or playing out a scenario where China takes over Taiwan and consider the impact it would have on the market? In other words, it sounds like a political exercise, but I think it might even be a financial one saying, well, what happens if they get swallowed up by China? Does that rock the markets or does that just even it out? Or what do you guys see? Let's put flags aside for a moment and just say, what would the impact be if China swallowed up Taiwan? Well, a couple of things. One would be economic, would be it would send probably the global economy into recession. The second would be that they privatize all the those big semiconductors, Taiwan Semi, for example. We got everything we could get out of Taiwan Semi in terms of price appreciation in the stock. And with that threat a year ago, we ended up getting out of it at the right time. If that threat were to recede, that would be something we'd take a look at going back in. So we track stocks that were previously sold for whatever reason they were sold. Actually, think about re-entering those positions. But right now, just in the short term, and we do this every week, I would say that the near-term threat would be that. And then the threat to the markets economically and domestically would be we're coming out with a GDP report at the end of this month that's a revised report for the first quarter. There might be commentary about the second quarter GDP report. And you can get a handle on that with the GDP now Atlanta Fed their forecast for GDP in the second quarter. And you can watch that. It kind of says interesting. It flips back and forth, you know, positive one, half a percent, two percent, you know. And so you can see what the preponderance is of these economists and their forecast for GDP this quarter. That, so, so that's going to probably hit the news in the next week or week and a half. Both threats seem to be threats of the unknown, right? We, we're not really sure what will happen, but the saber rattling surrounding Taiwan and then the potential rewriting of the GDP, both are things we're not sure of. We have an inkling of what might occur. Uh, is that what I hear? Well, no, it is kind of what you hear, but I would say that you assign a probability to those events and that probably increases or decreases over time. And you you say, as you're getting closer, you say, you know, I'm all but certain that X will happen. So we kind of put a probability scale to it. Yeah. All right. So here we are. We're at the end of the SWAT podcast. If you have questions for us, uh, we'd love to have them. You can go ahead and reach out to us through our website. Our Ask Annex will allow you to, to ask a question for the SWAT podcast. Uh, we're going to see you. Uh, well, next week is uh, Memorial Weekend, so we'll see you next week, Tuesday. We'll continue the conversation. Each week it brings up a new SWAT. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you, Todd. We're going to see you next week with the SWAT podcast. I'm Greg Batty and Silla signing off. We'll see you next week.
Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.